Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Travis Ferguson. Uh, my nickname that the kids call me at church is Father Ferg. You wonder why, right? Because I look like a Roman Catholic priest. And just a side note, the reason I wear this is because I'm colorblind, so I don't want to get dressed with colors in the morning. This is the easiest way to do it, just in case you were wondering. Uh, I'm a full-time pastor in San Diego at Christ Lutheran Church, and I also serve as an Air Force Reserve chaplain stationed out at Beale Air Force Base in Northern California. Um, just by a show of hands to gauge the room real quick, how many of you are here because uh, you have experienced divorce firsthand? And then how many of you are here because you want to know how to walk beside a, a friend or a family member who is going through that, or just because um, you liked my picture, right? You always look better in pictures. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, so let me tell you just a little bit about what we're going to um, do today, our overview. We're going to talk about a desire for normalcy, uh, handling our emotions, forgiving, moving forward, and then we'll end with questions. Uh, so let me just start off with my story. Okay, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Anyone from Missouri in here? All right, it's a great place like for those three of you who are from Missouri. Um, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, my parents divorced when I was two and a half years old because of my dad's ongoing meth addiction. Uh, my dad ended up going to prison when I was 11 years old. Uh, but my dad, um, we, we left and my first memory as a child is, is leaving and my dad uh, hitting my mom and then uh, slamming her hands in the door. That was my first memory. So my situation is a little bit different because I never knew what it was like for my parents to be together. They were always divorced. Uh, my mom raised me as a single mom. And for many, though, uh, of, of those who have experienced divorce, probably in this room, uh, you knew your parents together. And you had to go through that, that awful time where they separated. But whatever your story is, whenever that divorce happened in your life, it ends up with the same effects, which is brokenness. When I got to the church and school I'm at now, I realized that there was a lot of brokenness around. I realized that there were a lot of kids who were, who were going through f familial issues, who were struggling uh, with so many different things. I want to tell the story real quick of a little girl named uh, Jane. Jane's a sixth grader, and I changed her name uh, to, to keep that private. But Jane is a very bubbly person, almost too bubbly, you know, almost like annoying uh, bubbly, the kind of person that pokes you until you just slap them to say stop. Uh, not that you should ever slap anyone. That's, that's not right. That's assault. Um, but anyhow, uh, she's that kind of person, and, and her family was going through divorce. Her parents, uh, her mom had ran off with another guy, and uh, it just left a trail of brokenness. And one day, Jane was on the playground at recess, and she wasn't talking to anyone. She was just standing by herself. And so I went over to Jane, and I put my arm around her, and I said, how are you doing today? And Jane just started crying. Side note, uh, if somebody in your life is, just breaks down in tears when you ask them a question, that's OK. Uh, the best that you can do, and I'm going to say this in my blunt way, is just shut up and be there. Uh, I like the story of Job. Uh, how many of you have ever read through the book of Job? That's yeah, some light reading. Um, and, and Job uh, is going through all this mess, and his friends come around him, and they just sit with him and as, as he is in sackcloth and ashes. And that's great. Where things went wrong is right when they opened their mouth. Uh, so sometimes keeping your mouth shut is the best thing you can do. And finally, um, Jane said, you know, I'm tired of being back and forth between my parents' houses. 
And then she paused, as though she was trying to muster up the words for the emotions that she was feeling deep inside herself. And finally, she was able to say, I just want normal. How many of you have ever felt that way in your life, that you just wanted things to be normal again? Like you're going through something, and you're going through the crap that life throws at you, and you just want normal. It's the simplest phrase to describe what everyone who is going through any catastrophic event in their life is feeling. They just want normal. And I think the reason we don't understand that about divorce is because we think for some reason that divorce only separates the parents, that the children really aren't affected at all in this, but the reality of the situation is that kids are separated as well, not just from their parents, not just from the homes they grew up in, but from themselves. Divorce causes us to wonder about who we are. Divorce causes us to ask questions like, do I matter? Uh, Do my parents love me? If they loved me, wouldn't they stay together? It forces us to ask other questions like, whose side should I take? And maybe the, the question that we should all be asking as children of divorce is, how do I prevent this from happening in my future relationships? All of those feelings bubble up, and and oftentimes we just don't want to deal with them, but I want to today. I think we need to talk about how we feel. So if you're comfortable with it, um, tell me how you felt when going through your parents' divorce. Just a word. Out of place? Distressed? Lost? Surprised? Double-sided? Constantly going everywhere all at once? Confused? Scared? Anger, unstable, yeah. There's a lot of emotions going through our hearts and our minds. Here's just some that I jotted down, sad, uh, rejected. We don't think about uh, rejection from our parents. We usually think about that in personal relationships, but when our parents split up, it seems uh, like we're being rejected by them. I also meant to say you can take pictures of all these slides if you want, because I didn't have time to print out a handout, so feel free to take your phone out. Suicidal. And if you're, another side note, if you're feeling suicidal, I encourage you to come to the afternoon session from 4 to 5 o'clock where we dig into that even deeper. Uh, withdrawn, like you don't want to be around people. Guilty. Why would you feel guilty about your parents' divorce? It's because you feel like there's something maybe you did that added to it. Because let's all be frank, uh, you're all teenagers here, right? I remember when I was a teenager, uh, I was a jerk, um, and I smelled bad. For those of you who are boys, again, side note, I do a lot of side notes, I have ADHD. Wear deodorant, okay? You guys stink if you don't wear deodorant. And maybe that's what caused your parents to get a divorce. That's, That's how guilt feels, okay? I'm not saying that's reality, that's how guilt feels you're feeling confused or angry or unloved or distrustful or like you never want to set yourself up for that kind of disappointment. I am convinced that the reason marriage rates have gone down in our society is because people have gone through and seen divorce time after time after time in their life. So they say, how about we just be partners? That way we don't have to have that piece of paper in our life that makes it difficult when we break up. So we just have sex and live together. That's... That's how we feel. 
what I realized with Jane as she told me this story about her parents, as she felt all of these things, I told her one thing that I believe above all else in regards to every situation. Your feelings are a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. You do not need to feel guilty about your feelings. And if someone makes you feel guilty or tries to get you to feel guilty about your feelings, you do not want that person as a friend or in your life. Because your emotions are yours, and your emotions are normal. This is one of my favorite books. Brene Brown is a, is a female author, and she really caters to a female audience, which I don't know what that says about me. But uh, I, I really love, <laughs> I love her book, Rising Strong. It's like woman power, you know, the whole time I was reading it. But she, she has this, this place where she says this. When we deny our stories and disengage from tough emotions, they don't go away. Instead, they own us. They define us. Our job is not to deny the story, but to defy the ending. What do you think gets in the way of defying the ending of the story? Feeling powerless? Feeling. Yeah. What about fear? Have you ever been afraid of the emotions that you feel? You ever been afraid of feeling suicidal? Or afraid of being sad? or angry, that if you ever let those emotions out that somehow people would think less of you because you're a human and you feel emotions, fear gets in the way of us reckoning with our emotions. But if we don't reckon with our emotions, your life is going to suck and you are going to make the exact same stupid decisions as everyone else who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And frankly, those who do know Jesus as their Savior. You're always going to make stupid decisions. But when you don't deal with your emotions, you're going to make even a stupider word. It's going to be a word today. Stupider decisions. See, uh, it's kind of interesting, and I've noticed this in my own life, that when I deny my emotions, when I... Uh, when I try and numb my emotions, I, I turn to certain things. And there's a lot of things that we turn to as a society. Porn, sex, uh, the internet, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We go to substances like alcohol or drugs or weed. Maybe we even go to religion as a way to numb the pain. But the reality is that when we try and numb the pain, it doesn't go away. Have any of you ever broken a bone in here? Yeah, so what bone did you break? Did the doctor just give you some ibuprofen? No, but ibuprofen's a painkiller, right? That should take care of it, yeah? Or a Band-Aid? Who thinks that a Band-Aid or a painkiller is good enough for a broken bone? Yeah, no one should raise their hand. You're smart people, good job. So if, if ibuprofen won't solve a broken bone, why do we think that alcohol or sex or drugs or the internet or Instagram or whatever else is going to effectively numb and take away all of our emotions? Why is it that we think that way? Well, partially it's because we're afraid of dealing with our emotions. So 
Some of you said that you read the book of Job. Let me give you a, a brief summary of Job. Job is a really good guy who has everything taken away from him. And once he's had everything taken away from him, and once he's covered it in these boils, he asks God, or he says to God, my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. I cry to you for your help, and you don't answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. Now, be honest with yourselves for a minute. How many of you feel like, when you're cry- like there have been times in your life where you've cried out for God to help, and those prayers have fallen on deaf ears? I felt that way. How many of you uh, feel like, you're, like you've been at the bottom, uh, at rock bottom, and there's no place to go? I've been there too. Life sucks. Two words that were life-changing for me. Life sucks. And Job realizes that life sucks. But what's interesting is when he cried out to God, and when he said all these things, God responds. And he said, strap yourself up for battle like a man and hear what I have to say. Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when I laid its foundations? Were you there when I created those birds that you enjoy? And he goes on and on. And Job comes back and he says this. He says, I know that you can do all things. After God responds with, I have done all of this for you and for your life, and I can do all things, Job stands in a confession and says, yes, you can. I am sorry for doubting that. I am sorry for thinking that I am God and that you are not. I am sorry for thinking that you are like the big bully with a a huge magnifying glass, and I'm the ant, and you're trying to burn me. St. Paul says it a different way. After St. Paul has prayed uh, to have this thorn in the flesh removed, he says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. And do you know why Paul can say that? It's because he knows that Jesus Christ is the only hope for his sorry behind. Jesus Christ is all he has. And for you, if Jesus Christ is all you have, you have absolutely everything you need. Because that means that the one who created the world, the one who died on the cross for your sins is on your side. And if that guy is on your side then you don't need to fear anything. You don't need to fear the relationships in your life that are breaking down. You don't need to fear the fact that your parents are living in separate houses because God looks at you and he looks at you with love and love changes things. When I was going through a really hard time in my life last year, I reached out to a a friend of mine in the ministry and he said, Travis, do you believe in the resurrection? And I'd ask you the same question. How many of you believe in the resurrection? If you're raising your hand, that means that you believe God can redeem all things. And if God can redeem all things, then we don't need to fear anything. Let's move on. One of the emotions that we feel is unforgiveness. For those of you who have experienced divorce, you know this quite well. Uh, You know that it's hard 
to forgive the choice that your parents make, no matter how good of a decision it was for them, it's still hard. And I love this, um, allowing bitterness to take root in your heart is like drinking poison. Unforgiveness is the poison you drink in order to kill someone else. Because the truth is, most people don't care if you forgive them. And so when you don't, and when you harbor the hatred or the rage or the anger or whatever the feeling is inside of you, you are only hurting yourself. It is imperative that we share the same grace with our parents, uh, with our siblings who may have had something to do in this process, uh, to share with them the same grace that God has shown to us. And I just want to uh, show a quick video um, that maybe help you see that a little bit better. There are days when the pain is a lot to carry. And the ones who are supposed to love you end up hurting you the most. And everything inside you wants to run. To hide. To escape. Sometimes that's how you cover the pain. But that's not how scars work. They run deep. So you pretend everything's okay. But the pain doesn't stop. I think pretending just makes it worse. Until you realize you're not alone. Other people are broken too. And they need someone to help. Someone who knows what it feels like. Who's walked through it. The pain can scar you. But it also changes the way you look around yourself. At the world. At people. No one's too broken for grace. That's what makes it grace. No one is too broken for grace, uh, including you. Including uh, all the emotions you feel, God's grace covers that. And uh, I, I just want to do a, an activity to help us reckon with our emotions. So I want you to find a place real quick. It can be wherever, but I want you to lay down. Um, and uh, don't be like face-to-face -face with someone. That would be super awkward. Uh, but find a place wherever. This is a big room, and you can lay down in the, in the aisles or whatever else. But find a, find a place and get comfortable. 
And I want to walk you through something so we can reckon with our emotions. All right. Begin by invoking the name of God in your heart, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now begin to focus on your breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Start to relax your fingertips and let the tension slip away. Begin to relax your arms, letting them simply lay there without any tension, keeping focused on your breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Begin to relax your toes and let that relaxation work its way up your legs, to your hips, to your back, to your neck, to your head. What is the pain that you're feeling right now? is the pain that you felt in the past? Is it anger or sadness? Are you feeling pity? Where is the hurt at in your life right now? Picture the person's face the situation? Who or what is causing you pain? Psalm 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Know that the Lord is close to you in this situation. Breathe in, breathe out. As you picture the person or the situation, begin to replace that with the image of Christ. Isaiah 53 says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces when he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. As you picture Jesus in your mind, let this be a time where you ask Jesus for whatever you need. If you need help forgiving, ask him. If you need help with anger, ask him. If you need help with patience, ask him. First John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If you are asking for forgiveness from the anger you felt or the things you've said to your parents, your siblings, your friends, or your enemies. Hear that forgiveness now. Your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come back to focusing on your breath. Breathe in, breathe out this prayer from Philippians 4. May the peace, may your peace, which surpasses all understanding, guide your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen can return to your seats. So let me let me just end my portion with this. It's from Lamentations 3. Do any of you read Lamentations for fun? You'd be sick if you did. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Our parents' decisions and mistakes do not define us. Our past does not make us um, destined for a life apart from God or apart from relationships. We own the stories they help make us who we are. But when we come into our life and when we grow up and when we enter into relationships, we stand in the crossways and we look at the path of everyone else and we look at the path that God wants us to be on. And the beauty is, is that when we take the path and follow God, he is close to us. But I have to say, even if you don't take that path, even if you screw up, and even 
if you live a life full of broken, hurting relationships, you are still near to God's heart. Because your worth and your view in God's eyes is not based on how good you are or what you do. It's based on the cross where he died to love you.